Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Just a Thought. My name's Nick. And I'm Joe. And we're two guys in our 20s who can banter on pretty much anything that comes up. Though we're total novices on most of the topics we talk about, and we probably don't have all the facts in order, we still think the dialogue is pretty interesting. Alright, so this week's episode is about corporate bullshit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Specifically, uh, about innovation. Um, so Nick and I had some thoughts around, you know, what innovation means, uh, for different types of businesses. And, um, I think we'll just kind of go right into it. So Nick, did you have any thoughts on, on innovation or areas that we can kind of cover? Yeah, this is, this is super broad for me. So you're going to have to point me in one specific direction here. Okay. Um, but my, my day job, my title actually has innovation in it. Um, so I do this for a living and <laughs> there's, it's a loaded word. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of meaning that comes into it, and I think there's a lot of confusion that comes with innovation as well. Yeah, and I think it means different things to different people and in different areas. So maybe we can just pick, you know, one specific part of innovation for today. Um, I kind of had in mind, you know, the differences of innovation between uh, different types of companies. So uh, maybe we can start with like large and small. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think the difference might be, um, you know, between those two, if there is any difference at all? I think the biggest one is probably resources. Um, at a big company, you have a ton of resources behind you and it's to the point where it's, it's more, um, a task of just organizing those resources and using them effectively. Uh, so they're not competing with each other compared to in a small company where I think the objective is just making do with whatever you have. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I think, um, you know, there's, how does that quote go? Oh, it's, um, necessity is the father of innovation. It's either innovation or invention, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's something like that. But necessity basically is the reason for innovation. Yeah. And I think, I think like you said, as, as far as resources go, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a much more productive endeavor um, when you don't have as many resources at your disposal. Um, whereas I think if you do have a lot of resources, innovation is almost like um, I, I have this this thought in my mind around kind of like assembly line fashion for innovation, like there's a process for it. Um, and I, for, to me, that's one of the biggest differentiators is that um, there's this idea of kind of harnessing innovation or, um, you know, creating a process for innovation in, in larger companies, which, um, I think can be done. Um, but I think in smaller companies there, there really isn't a process. It's, um, you know, there's that term like greenfielding or, you know, whenever you're, uh, going about doing something in in a new way or trying to get a, a different output. Um, I don't think there's usually a roadmap for that. And, and you're not usually trying to create any sort of framework. You just want to see what sticks first. So, yeah, I, I just want to respond to one thing that you just mentioned, and I think that's um, the word process. And innovation by itself is always a, a fundamentally messy thing. Big companies, I think, try to put a process around it, um, and sometimes it's actually to the detriment of innovation. Um, so a lot of the time there's this big base business you have to protect. So if you're a multi-million, multi-billion dollar company, you don't want to break the thing that you've built. Um, whereas at a small company innovation is it's kind of the necessity of just continuing to exist so you can pivot and you can have one aspect or one feature or or one like small detail of your business can fundamentally reposition the entire business and you might have to do it just to survive 
I think that's probably one of the biggest differences. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's almost like there's not really that that notion of starting over, um, mm-hmm. or at least you know if you were to wipe the slate clean, um, it's it's there hasn't been all that much progress. I think in in some small companies, or um, it's like you said, it's needed versus other ones. It's you're you're trying to preserve. Um, there's definitely a way to go negative. Um, in, in larger companies. So, and, and I almost wonder, so, you know, there's, there's differences in innovation or process, uh, for innovation between large and and small companies, but what about different areas of business or different, um, industries? I wonder if, you know, innovation means different things for different types of companies. I'm sure that it does. I'm sure that it does. And so I I just want to make one more point. I'm like small versus large and we can jump to different industries. When, When I think of the difference between building an innovation process for a small versus a large company, I think of just like Legos. <laughs> so if you yeah. had if you had a bunch of Legos out in front of you, if you had a thousand Legos, there's a lot more that you can do with those Legos than if you had ten. Um, and so there's there's a lot of opportunities to make things that are really messy, to make things that are um, really beautiful, depending on how you actually wrangle those like thousand different Legos. Um, and what you're changing might actually just be these small tweaks if you if you only connect two or three things. Whereas with a smaller company you're fundamentally changing the structure of the thing that you're doing. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just a visual that, that kind of struck me, and I think it's it's pretty illustrative of, of the difference. No, um, no, it, it, it makes sense. And I think also, you know, in in a small company, you, you kind of have to have all your eggs in one basket to, you know, place mm-hmm. a good bet um, versus you can have many, many baskets in, uh, in some companies, some larger companies. Mm-hmm. So you can you can definitely take more um, you know a, a, a larger number of risks, or you can hedge your your risks, the things that you're you're trying to accomplish, um, you know, with your um, sort of you know norm, normal operations. So. Cool. So so different industries. Um, I think there's just different necessity for different industries too. Some industries are inherently moving faster than others, and you have to innovate just to survive, just to say abreast all the other changes that are happening around you um and to turn that completely on its head as a brand marketer i feel like a lot of the the industries that are most ripe for innovation are the ones that haven't really changed much that are stagnant that are squeaking out like these one or two percent year-on-year growth rates um those are actually the times when innovation is more than ripe um and those are the ones that actually get me really excited do you, you think with that said, do you think there are some areas that just there can be no innovation? There is there's nothing new um, that can be done? I'm hard pressed to think of one. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think most industries can benefit from innovation. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, even looking today at, at agriculture and that's sort of like the standard example of, you know, how much can that actually change? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it really is changing quite a lot. Um, I think there's sort of like a, um, you know, efficiencies, um, you know, scale, um, and there are certain, certain types of machinery and there's, um, you know, genetics and, um, all types of areas there that are, are being uh, innovated upon. But, um, I think that's probably, if anything, that's probably the example, uh, where people like to give, um, you know that that really is is uh, hasn't changed much in in thousands of years, and and yet it has, and it's going to. I think if you take a broad definition of whatever industry you're talking about, there's an opportunity for innovation. You you could get hung up if you go very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to contrast that, in, in my mind, I think you would have like 
I don't know, information technology as an industry mm-hmm. versus, I don't know, mainframe computers. Mm-hmm. There's still plenty that you can do with mainframe computers, but it's nothing like what you could do with information technology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. And then the other, the other thing that I'm kind of thinking, are there any areas that you should not attempt to innovate? Meaning, um, maybe you can innovate, but um, the reward, let's say, or, or typically over, over time, we've seen that the rewards don't outweigh the expense or the cost of innovation, or uh, maybe not necessarily, you know, for any particular firm, but, you know, by and large, um, you know, the, all of the, the firms collectively um, in, in an industry um, have, you know, spent a lot of money to get to a certain point, and the ones who are sort of the early movers and the ones that are innovating are not the ones benefiting from the change. Do you think there are any examples of, of not even industries, but, um, you know, places where um, innovation maybe is, is, is really not best? I think history and culture are always on the opposite side of innovation. And so with me, that started... I just kind of mentally went down the path of, if you look at certain countries, there's some countries that seem to just completely disregard innovation. And they're they're almost like locked in a moment in history. And in a way, that's actually the charm of some cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, innovation can actually be a very harmful thing if you have something that you want to preserve. Um, that said, I, I still think um, that most things can actually strike a very unique balance between uh, like the old guard and the new guard. Mm-hmm. Um there are some cities that I, and I'm, I'm thinking like very specifically about tourism and yep. just like the places that you walk into and how you actually feel about it. Cause that's where it's most evident. But, um, I think there are some cities that are so modern that they actually seem to not have any history. They seem to be completely devoid of history. And I think that can actually be a bad thing. Um, cause you don't actually even recognize it. And the city turns over, I don't know, every decade or five decades, whatever that magic number is, you wouldn't even recognize it. Um, if you went back in time. And so I, I think applying that back to business and corporate bullshit, <laughs> there are things that should be sacrosanct. Um, like the, the founder story shouldn't really be tainted. That should always be preserved in some way. Um, but that said, I think there's plenty of ways to innovate within a safe space to not offend um, the old guard. Yeah. Maybe maybe to even take this full circle. So it sounds like there's some areas that, uh, you know, nostalgia or, um, you know, there's sentimental aspects, um, you know, even within business. Do you think, and this is where it kind of maybe can come full circle, do you think uh, corporate or, you know, larger companies um, are attempting to maybe, uh, you know, save some of that sentiment, um, you know, by not innovating as much as they possibly could. Obviously, we talked about earlier, um, you know, there's this risk aversion and there's there's a certain play there. Um, but do you think that maybe there's also a nostalgia to a, to a business um, or type of business that um, makes it less desirable to have certain types of innovation? I, I do think that can be the case. Um, but I think if it's handled carefully, you can be okay. Um I'm trying to think of a good example here to, to try to articulate that. Uh, I think there's some categories and products that are inherently nostalgic. Um, hmm. Rolex. Sure. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like one of those timeless brands, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, if you take it too far into the future um, or too far into the present, however you want to frame that, yeah. um, you almost lose some of the character of the brand 
itself. So let me let me ask you a question then. What does innovation look like for them? It's a careful process. <laughs> yeah. I think it's difficult to say um, as an outsider looking in. But I think I think there are ways to to really realize what is the core aspect of the business. Maybe it's maybe it's certain color cues. Maybe it's a minimalist design. Maybe it's something in the way that a product feels, the weight. I don't know. Maybe there's there's some element that is truly ownable, that is truly that brand that you don't want to deviate from. Um, and the best way to understand that is to talk to the current consumers who actually love the product and your, your heavy loyals who are, who are the people who are responsible for basically keeping your lights on. Mm-hmm. I, I would start with those people and make sure that you understand what they love about your brand. And if you check in with them and you make sure that whatever um, whatever new innovation you're exploring doesn't deviate too far from that norm, you should probably be in pretty good shape. Yeah, and I think even maybe opposite from that, I kind of have in my in my mind, uh, you know, the whole fashion industry, um, how that that mm-hmm. is that is almost, I would say, almost the extreme in the other direction of um, you know things being new all the time and things being radically different and you know art as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, then I think even it becomes, it's so, so radical in the opposite direction that, um, you even have that kind of old is new again, uh, trend as well. So, um, I know that's a bit of a cyclical cyclical. thought. They're both cyclical industries. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know what's, what's a, what's a good way to, um, you know, have some closing thoughts on, on innovation. I know we, you know, we talked about, uh, corporate and, you know, what it looks like for different types of companies. We talked about some, you know, different industries, um, and, and different areas. We talked about whether, you know, innovation, um, should be done, um, in different areas. And then I think also, uh, you know, what innovation looks like, um, across, um, you know, many different types of products and, and industries. What, what are some kind of closing, you know, remarks that you have? I know I have some, I have some thoughts as well. I'm hard pressed just to, to cap it. I think this is something that could go on forever for me. Um, this mm-hmm. is kind of my sweet spot in, in my profession and something that I, I have a lot of heart for. Um, so I don't know, man, maybe it's, maybe it's another episode or an, another subtangent here or something, but I think that innovation is critically important um, for every single industry. Um, even the ones where you have to be careful, you still need to innovate somehow to, to maintain a sense of relevance with a new consumer base. That's always going to be a requirement. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's just close to my heart, and it's very important. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think we we probably this is this is the beginning of another another episode <laughs> because I <laughs> I agree. I think it you know it doesn't just end there, and and you know you you just made a point there around um, you know innovation is is extremely important. Um, and I I you know one thought that I had, and you know maybe this is a good topic for next time, but. Um, you know, innovation is a way that firms continue to make money even once a, you know, a durable good is still in use. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's a lot of examples of where, um, you know, you you think of a car, I mean, usually a car is, um, depending on the type of model that you get, um, it's, it's only going to, you know, last a certain period of time. And then after that, you, you plan on getting a new one, um, at least for most people. And, and at that point, you, you hope that you've kind of exhausted your full use and you've, um, you've, um, 
what's the word for it? You've, you've basically, um, you've, you've gotten the most that you possibly could out of it. You've, you've amortized it, um, in a way. And, um, I think there's probably some good examples and could be a topic for the next episode, um, around how companies that also make, you, you could argue durable goods, like maybe, um, Apple, um, where a phone is perfectly good once it's been wiped and, um, you know, can be used for a period of time into the future, but they still get consumers to, um, you know, buy new products. So um, I think that's that's definitely a different type of, of innovation as well, um, and mm-hmm. is, is core to many businesses. So yeah, let's let's put a pin in that and go down that path awesome. in the future. Yeah, happy to. <laughs> cool. So uh, how about picks? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I I've a couple that are actually somewhat related to the the topic of innovation. Um, so I'm, I'm a big music junkie. I love discovering new music, and um, I actually get really tired of the same music very quickly. So <laughs> this is probably part of why I have a propensity toward innovation. But um, yeah, there's two really great resources out there if you feel like your music tastes are getting stale. Um, the first one is called Nuzik. It's spelled G-N-O-O-S-I-C. I think it's just music.com. Um, and what you do is you type in one, two, or three artists that you currently love and it'll use their algorithm to basically spit out more recommendations so it's kind of like pandora or spotify's um genius technology it's the same idea um but it's a little bit more on your terms and you can actually just like play with different combinations and see what it spits out it's it's a lot of fun um and then the second one is called the music map and so this is even more hands-on but if you type in an artist it'll plot that artist in the middle of the page and then it'll show you all these like tendrils out to different um, different artists were related. So if I put in like Dave Matthews band, John Mayer will be relatively close. And then if you branch out from John Mayer, there'll be another band who's similar to John Mayer and you can keep clicking on all these links and it'll keep moving the map. So you can just keep going for days and days and days. Um, so between these two, I, I just love it. It's, it's a great way to just keep things, um, fresh and interesting for, uh, for your earbuds. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, because now it's we've gotten to the point where you know if you have Spotify or you know another another one of those music services, um, you really you you don't get a lot of transparency into the um, you know how they make the recommendation. I mean, often it's it's really really good, but you know sometimes you kind of want to see that, and it's really cool to see the visual part too. Mm-hmm. So I think for mine, um, I'm gonna say cold brew, like homemade cold brew. <laughs> Um, so I've been, I'm a huge coffee junkie and, um, it's been getting pretty warm out recently. So, um, that's when I switch over from my hot cup of coffee to my cold brew. And, uh, I've been experimenting with a bunch of different varieties of of coffee and different grinds, um, and different ways to make it. So, um, if you don't know anything about cold brew, um, cold brew is, um, same general process, I would say, as uh, hot coffee, um, except it's much, much slower, um, and what it produces is uh, a lot more, uh, a lot smoother taste. Um, so if you've, if you've never made cold brew before, um, what the process generally looks like um, is you're actually taking a little bit more coffee than you would normally uh, use to brew a, a cup, and you're making it extremely, fu- um, sorry, extremely coarse ground, um, and you're actually uh, putting the coffee into cold, like ice cold water, um, and sticking it in the refrigerator for a good like, I would say 18 to 20 hours. You know, people have different times, um, but the end result once you pull it out and you um, you actually. Um, 
uh, filter out the, the coffee grinds, um, you're left with like a really, really smooth brew. And the reason why is because it's kind of right, the amount of time that it takes to actually steep it out, um, it, it's not taking all of the acidic tastes um, out of the, the coffee as well. If you leave it anything longer than, uh, if you leave it for longer than, you know, 20 hours or so, it's going to start to get more acidic. Um, but you're left with a really, really uh, smooth brew, really strong, and you can cut it with water or with, um, with half and half. And if you make it at home, it's so much cheaper than getting it from like a coffee shop or Starbucks or something like that. So highly recommend that. If you haven't done it before, it's actually a lot of fun to make. It's really, really simple. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to do it online um, and it's, it's really easy. So highly recommend it. Yeah, if you haven't had it, get out there and try it. The texture is just super interesting. You're exactly right. It, it, it somehow delivers on like the smooth texture that I never knew that I wanted in coffee until I had it in a cold brew. Yeah, whoever, whoever came up with cold brew, hats off. Hats off to you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. I think that's it for, for this week, but um, catch us next time. All right. Until next week. Later. Bye. Hey, listeners. It's Joe here. Thanks for listening to Just a Thought, and we hope you're enjoying it so far. But we want to know, what do you want to hear about? Be sure to let us know if there are any interesting topics that you want us to tackle. Just a thought. Just a thought.